What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Got our sports analyst, college football analyst, NFL, whenever we talk about it. Uh, analyst on Thomas Hemingway. Thomas, what's going on? Not much, man. Glad to be back home, man. Been a minute. Yes, sir. Yeah, we took a couple weeks off. Need a little recovery. A lot of stuff going on, but <laughs> felt like this was a great weekend to jump back into it. and Got a lot to talk about. So without further ado, uh, welcome to my sports house. All right, Thomas, so let's kind of go ahead and get right into it. We had a lot of big games that kind of had like college football playoff uh, implications on it with the ranking, the first ranking kind of coming out there. There's a lot, and we'll get to talk more about Clemson. You saw there were a lot of fans, the fan bases were very upset that uh, the teams outside of Clemson, that Clemson was ranked so high in there. And everybody's kind of like, you know, calm down. Like this thing usually kind of sorts its its own way out of there. But uh, first we're going to start off in the SEC, Tennessee, Georgia. Man, I feel like everybody was talking about this game. I think the the lowest, the cheapest ticket was like six hundred dollars just to get between the hedges in the uh, stadium, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Yo, this is gonna be one of the all time." Get to see that uh, Kirby Smart defense versus uh, Hendon Hooker. Did you realize? I was wondering. I was like, "Where does this guy come from?" Did you realize he was the guy who played for Virginia Tech? Man, man, I didn't realize that till a couple of days ago. Like. I knew and I, I knew of him at Virginia Tech, but like I don't know why I wouldn't, you know, register in that that same dude that, you know, at Tennessee from Virginia Tech. But yeah, I just seen a picture the other day from him. Yeah, I would kept thinking, I'm like, where I'm like, yo, this guy looks so familiar. And I feel like he played at a decently high level for me to remember him. Cause you know, you know, yeah. you know, we all remember the Michael Vick and the Marcus Vicks, even like the Logan Thomases. But for more the most part, for you to remember the quarterback at Virginia Tech, usually he was pretty decent, mm-hmm. especially now that Frank Beamer and those guys are gone. But uh, yeah, I was like, where is this guy? And it reminded me, and I was watching it on TikTok today. He's the one that was spazzing on the sideline when it was really cold. I don't know yeah, if he yeah. a couple years back. And he was, and everybody was like, I think the coach ended up saying he was just, it was just really cold out there. But we were like, no, something was off. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. he ends up being, I think he's like 25 years old or really close to 25. So he's played yeah. for a long time. Was been leading that Tennessee team for an undefeated season thus far. Uh, but they went, they went to Georgia. Against Kirby Smart in that defense, and I really you could say Kirby Smart in that offense because the offense isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, Tennessee did not come up with the win. Georgia won with the final score of twenty-seven to thirteen, so they remain undefeated. Meanwhile, Tennessee moves to eight and one. Not a bad spot because just how the college football playoffs like are kind of the, the season just working itself out there. But uh, just kind of really quickly from you, what, what was your takeaway from the game? Man, Matt, my takeaway from the game was uh was was um man, Georgia's defense was, was just, you know, the the thing that impressed me the most about the game. Um just the way they were able to come in and, and shut down Tennessee's offense like that, who've been scoring, you know, about 50, you know, 40, 50 some points a game. Um I mean, yeah, that that was definitely the the biggest thing that stood out to me. Um 
I can say that. Uh, and I'll probably say just, I mean, yeah, really, I guess just the lack of, of offense we saw from Tennessee. I mean, I know it's, you know, kind of, you know, goes hand in hand, kind of the same thing. Um, but I mean, 13 points, you know, when, you, when you've been putting up about 40 or 50 all season, that's that's a, a huge drop off um, for a team like that. Um, but yeah, I, w- I was really impressed with um, well, how well Georgia's secondary played, probably more than anything. Because um, I mean, we all kind of been seeing what Tennessee receivers been doing, you know, to the whole country this year, especially, you know, a guy like J- Jalen Hyatt, um, you know, had five touchdowns in one game. So, I mean, Georgia's DBs, they were they were really out there strapping Saturday. Um, so yeah, that that was that was a big um shock to me, especially um and it's impressive, especially, you know, if you know you've been watching Tennessee all season or even if you just watch Saturday, you know, you can see how Tennessee likes to spread the field out um with their receivers as far as their like alignment, you know, so they line the receivers up real uh close to the numbers and to the sideline and all that. So as a DB, that's a lot of ground, you know, you gotta cover. Um, so I was just, yeah, impressed with the way they were able to just stay on all the receivers' hips. Um, now, the only thing that I didn't like was um, I feel like Keely Ringo uh, really struggled. Well, I don't want to say he struggled because he did have an interception, but he definitely had some reps out there um, at the corner spot that that kind of I questioned a little bit. He was looking kind of real stiff out there. It seemed like whenever Tennessee was getting something in the passing game, it was on his side. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of shocked me because, you know, he's the, you know, returning, you know, guy from the championship team. You know, he had to pick six in the national championship in game and all that. And I'm sure people are probably looking at him as a I don't know if he can leave this year for the draft. He, may, I don't know if he's a registered sophomore or a true sophomore. Um, but I mean, I know he's definitely, you know, high up on people's list as just, you know, corners and in college football. So um, that's the only thing, you know, I, I was kind of like, I'm going to be paying attention to Georgia these next couple of weeks and see if, teams, you know, continue to kind of go at them. Um, but, I mean, as a whole, man, Georgia's defense is is dominant. They're a lot more, you know, dominant than I, I thought they were. I mean, we saw them. Um, I can't really say more than I thought they were. I mean, we saw what they were doing at the beginning of the year. You know, they were keeping people out of the end zone for about the first, you know, four or five games of the season. Um, but, like, you know, it's, it's more so that they did it against this caliber of a team like Tennessee and against the, the weapons they got on the outside. So, I was really impressed with Georgia. They definitely, to me, are, are the best team in the country right now, easily. And I was about to say, just with Ringo and with how solid that Georgia defense is, you have the thing, offensive coordinators are like, I'm not saying we have a weakness here, but if there's one shot that we could potentially exploit, might be. Yep. it was also crazy to see Hyatt, their Tennessee receiver that has all the deep mm-hmm. uh, pass or touchdowns, him step on the the referee's ankle and how that kind of messed them up. You saw that happen. And I think yeah. a lot of people were like, that's the deep ball guy. That's the, yeah. they have a lot of other weapons, but that's the deep ball guy. So with him not being yeah. in there for a little while, it's kind of like, Oh, how would this impact the game? Uh, just yeah. for some stats, um, hooker, let's see, Henry hooker went 23 for 33 for 195 yards interception. Jalen light, right. Was their leading receptions. I mean, um, running is a leading rush. was their rushing leader had 21 carries for 69 yards. That's only three yards per carry. And their leading receivers was Cedric Tillman, who had seven catches for 68 yards. But we're just looks, used to seeing that Jalen Hyatt with at least two touchdowns, maybe three, yep. however many, at least, you know, 100-yard receivers because he just catches a lot of deep passes. So crazy yep. to see. This thing makes you, you kind of think, too. It's like, wow. So we all know for the longest, it seems like when Nick Saban really got going there at Alabama, that Kirby Smart was his defensive coordinator. 
And so we're like, yeah, that's a Nick Saban defense, but Kirby Smart is a great defensive coordinator. Now yep. that you watch Kirby Smart kind of build his own team over there at Georgia, it's like, now obviously we know Nick Saban's a great coach, but it's like, was that Nick Saban's defense or was that Kirby Smart's defense? Yeah, yeah. Because Kirby Smart has been able to literally go take it, build a team in the SEC East that's able to compete with Alabama on a year-in-the-year-out basis. And so, and it also kind of shows you, I don't, I don't know if you've just seen this, but like uh, Clemson. So Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, you know, Jeff Scott was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it's like Kirby was able to go to Georgia, which great recruiting grounds, X, Y, Z, and go build a Georgia program that is that can literally go against Nick Saban when a lot of yep. other Nick Saban's former coaches have not been able to do so. Yep. Jeff Scott, you know, he's young in his coaching career, went to USF and has just been fired. Yeah. So it's like, are you a great offensive coordinator, but it's hard for you to run your show? Maybe you're just early in the game. You know, you ain't, mm-hmm. 30, 40, you ain't like 50, 60 yet. But it has been crazy to see. It's like Kirby Smart has literally been able to build a team that year in and year out, it seems like, and how they recruit, they're going to be able to go play Alabama year in and year out and maybe even uh, beat them sometimes. Facts, yeah. And it's it's impressive to see, you know, how quickly he's done it too. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, you know, you you can kind of credit some of that help, I'm sure, to, you know, the, the NIL stuff and all that that's came about in recent years. You know, coaches can kind of get a little more leverage with that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, uh, uh, the players – you know, respect who he is as a coach. Um, just kind of, you know, the personality and stuff that we we see he had just from interviews, you know, press conferences or whatever. Um, I feel like he's, you know, like a player's coach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really think they respect him as a coach and his, you know, pedigree, knowing that he's come from, you know, that, you know, under that that saving coaching tree. So it's not like this, you know, just some some, you know, first year coach who's, you know, trying to, you know, find his way in the college football world. Like you know, this is an experienced guy who's got real, you know, championship pedigree. So, um, yeah, I think the players really just just trust him and, and, and follow what he says. And yeah, man, I mean, really, that, the way Georgia was playing Saturday, it reminded me of like a, you know, a, I mean, yeah, it's crazy to yeah. say that kind of, you know, how we just said, you know, Kirby Smart was a D coordinator at Bama. But, I mean, that's really what it reminded me of in days, you know, when Bama had those top defenses um, and just the way they just shut teams down. Um, you know, you know, top ranked teams, you know, you think it's gonna be a prime time matchup with them and then you know they come in and beat you, you know, 35 to 7 or something like that. So yeah, it was definitely giving me them kind of vibes. And that's why I was like, Yeah, you know, Georgia's a, a really dominant team because you know they're they're beating these high caliber teams, but it's not, you know, in close fashion. They're they're really, you know, going out there and dominating them. So yeah, them them boys are for real out there. It makes you wonder, too, and I guess we'll just kind of leave this to the listener just to kind of think about it. It's like, okay, what's the difference between – because even whenever I went, when I went on that visit to SMU, you literally saw, like, quotes, like, that you had at Clemson all over SMU. You know, Chad Morris was mm-hmm. the uh, offensive coordinator – was the head coach at SMU after coming from being the offensive coordinator at Clemson. And it's like, all right, so that's how they did things. It's like, okay, we take a lot of things from Dabble and we just tweak a couple things to ourselves. Yeah. It makes me wonder, so what's the difference between a Kirby Smart program and a Nick Saban program? Like, when yeah. you go to Georgia, is it, like, a lot of things that you maybe saw at Alabama and he just kind of put his spin on it? Or is he, like, has a whole different idea how he wants to run this program? I know yeah. they're both kind of fiery dudes. Nick Saban, it seems like he's just yelling around, and you're going to know yeah. for you. That dog Kirby Smart is in your face. He it, it seems like he only recruits the kind of guy that's like that. I remember who was their their linebacker last year that was supposed to go really early first round. Ch- uh, not Channing. What was the other one? Dean, the Kobe Dean. 
the Kobe Dean, I, there was a recruiting story. I'm going to see if I can find it. If I can find it, I'll, I'll talk about it maybe next week or so. And he was talking about how Kirby Smart was like, look, here, you're here to play football. And it was just a very intense relationship between the two. And like, like we're not making no mistakes about it. So maybe that's mm-hmm. like a little difference between the two. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, we got a couple seconds. What do you think? What are your thoughts? How different? Do you think they kind of run it similar? Or you think Kirby might have a different take on how to run his program? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm, you know, about 99 percent sure it's not, you know, just exactly the same program. But I mean, I, I can imagine he I can imagine he has like the same principles that he had when, you know, coaching was saving. Like, you know, he understands the goals and, and he understands like how he has the coaching or, you know, like what kind of coaching it takes um, to, you know, get a team to that next level. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he puts his own twist on stuff. Um, I He he doesn't look as a. I mean, like you said, they're definitely both fiery guys, but Kirby looks like he has kind of, a, you know, you know, at some point he has like a fun side to him, you yeah. know, a more relatable side. We're just saving. It's like he's always about, you know, business no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's kind of something that a lot of players were looking for coming out of high school, where it's like, I want to go to a school that has that same pedigree of Bama knowing, you know, I'm going to be competing for a championship every year. But I don't want him to feel like I'm in the NFL in college. Or I don't want him to feel like I'm in boot camp in college. So I'm pretty sure Kirby, just like I said, outside looking in, it, I'm, you know, I feel like Kirby may bring a little bit more fun, you know, element, um, you know, to the game or to the team or whatever. And where I say it's just, you know, I mean, we at Bama, we know we're here to do, you know, nothing else to say, you know, kind of like that. So, um, and yeah, that that's you know, and uh, you know, not to be rambling or anything, but you know, that's kind of part of the uh you know the process too or or I guess like fun you could say for a player is like do I want to go somewhere like Bama where it's like they already got a tradition going back to you know 06 whatever winning national championships so it's like I would just be another player on the roster where I could go to Georgia and you know create something you know to to kind of combat what Bama has going on over there so yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a, you know a mix of a lot of that. And one thing I've kind of noticed for you move points, it's funny when you watch these SEC school games specifically, it is like no matter if you're Van maybe Vanderbilt, but like you get the mentality, every single one of these guys in these SEC feels like they're like their their team is the most physical and they're the best team. So it's like yeah. you see a Tennessee program, even when Tennessee wasn't bad, wasn't like the best team, those guys are fiery when it's ready to come for these big SEC games. It's yeah. not like Oh, that's the big dog in the conference, and it's us. Like these guys coming out here are seeming like that. They got that fiery corner, that linebacker. They think we can yeah. hit y'all. We're all yep. SEC players, so something to it's keep different. watch for. Georgia, pretty much. I'm not even saying they control their own destiny. I feel. I mean, they do play Kentucky and Mississippi State and the SEC still left this season, but you're pretty much guaranteed the dogs gonna be back at the SEC championship game at Mercedes Benz yep. to face and looking like right now, and. From what you understand, y'all, because we're going to go ahead and move topics here, is L- with LSU beating Alabama in overtime, 32-31, huge call by Brian Kelly to just go for two. I was sitting there watching the game. I'm like, okay, they're going double overtime. I see they it's on the field. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what is really like, do you understand what you're risking here? Like, it's like, exactly, it's, and yeah. I think, too, even though Jaden Davis, I think that's the name, not Jaden Davis. What's Jaden Davis. Yeah, it is Davis. Yeah. Daniels. Daniels, there you go. So even with Jaden Daniels like playing a little bit better now, I'm like, he's not exactly like Joe Burrow. So to yeah. go with that right there, you potentially lose the game and Saban goes on to be eight and one. I thought it was a crazy call. But 
now with Georgia representing the East, can L- is LSU almost a lot to represent the West? Oh yeah, or- yeah, yeah. They they I think yeah they they pretty much a lot because I mean I know they they be Ole Miss and Mississippi State at home already. Um, yeah, their, their only losses right now are to Florida State, which is you know non conference, and then to Tennessee, which at the time Tennessee was. Um, they weren't ranked number one yet, but that was like I think that was the week week or two before they played Bama. Yeah. So they were. I mean, it's, it's Tennessee, so like that's you know it's not a bad loss, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean they're not in the West, so yeah. I think I think the only team they play Arkansas next week. I think. I want to say Arkansas might be their last uh. SEC West game. Let's look at the schedule real quickly because I'm sitting there thinking I'm like, wait, are they? Have they locked? I think, oh, I, I think I think LSU still got to play Arkansas and A and M in the West. Yeah, but A&M. I don't think those I don't think those losses are going to hurt them as far as the championship game because they beat Bama and um you know and, and all those God. other teams at the top of the West. That's crazy to think. It's like L- Brian Kelly comes out. You lose that first game to Florida State. Maybe it just looked like really bad because the remember receiver was deleting all his tweets and X Y Z. And yep. to see that that team, Jaden Daniels, who was struggling right out here in Tempe, Arizona last year, mm-hmm. see that team beat Bama, like you said, beat Ole Miss, had a chance or probably a pretty good chance to represent that SEC West. And potentially you win that SEC West, I mean, win that SEC championship game, probably find your way to the playoff, heck of a coaching job by it. Because no, I don't think many people expected this quick of a turnaround from Yeah, yeah no, nah, for sure. Excuse me, I got to come out the gate. Man, I I gotta go ahead and clear my name right now before it get too late, man. I I gotta apologize. I was completely wrong about Brian Kelly. About three, four weeks ago, I said this Brian Kelly thing at LSU is not gonna work. He ain't the coach for LSU. Yeah, that that man has completely proved me wrong since then. So yeah, I'm yeah, I'm I'm all dead. I'm I'm on the Brian Kelly train with the Tigers. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was a good game. Um, I mean, I thought exactly what you thought with the two-point conversion. I know me. I tell people this all the time. Tell my friends all the time. If I'm a coach, you probably ain't never gonna see me going for two for the win. We nope. we gonna have to drag it out in overtime. <laughs> like, I, like remember right. that uh, yeah, LSU nah, we, Texas A and M game a couple years back? I think it was. Or they went to yeah. like eight overtimes. We were doing it. Yeah, every, every yeah, every one of my overtime games gonna be like that. So yeah, I, yeah, my I'm, I'm not into the game on a two point conversion, but I mean it was a bold call. That's something we starting to see a lot more of, um, you know, in college football and. I think it's. I think a lot of it is. Um, I think a lot of it is the coaches. Uh, you know, trying to show their team that they got faith in the players. Um, my bad. I, I say I got distracted. I see my mom. No, no, let's pause right <laughs> quick. Let's pause for a quick second, y'all. Me and Thomas are both. This is live, y'all. This is like a live Spotify podcast. <laughs> it's so interesting because I've noticed this with Deshaun Watson at Clemson. I've now noticed it with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Well, Deshaun Watson with Houston, then and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. When these guys, when we first meet them and they're playing college football, they're real gracious to everybody. Like it's kind of like even if it's my, even if it's like the center's fault, they're taking the blame for it. Just like, hey, yo, make sure you get that mm-hmm. right next time. These jokers start making this money. I feel like <laughs> there's even more pressure because now it's the National yeah. Football League. There's a yeah, lot of stakes are. There's jobs and stuff on the line. When they're frustrated, they're going at you. It's yeah. no longer – and I think because we watched them grow up in front of our eyes, we're like, why is Lamar yelling at people? Lamar doesn't do that. 
Yeah. I saw Deshaun do it in Houston. Like he, I remember Deshaun was barking at one of them offensive linemen. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, we do that. But what's your take on when you see these? Because y'all, in case you're wondering, it's the fourth quarter and uh, this Baltimore Saints get Baltimore versus uh, New Orleans Saints game. And I guess the offensive linemen didn't get ready as soon as Lamar was ready. So Lamar spiked the bar and kind of got in his face, but they almost had to break it up and huddle. Yeah. Nah, um, man, uh, like you said, Matt, you know, we we used to seeing these guys come up from college and, and you know, the way they act in college and stuff. But, I mean, man, the thing I can say about it just, man, I think people, you know, tend to forget by the NFL, like, man, that that's a grown man's league. Like, it's nothing but grown men in that league, and they getting paid million-dollar salaries, and it's, like, it's high stakes. Like, a lot is on the line, and, I mean – I don't know. I mean, you you getting paid to go in there and do your job. So it's like the, the NFL is real particular about that kind of stuff. Like you're a pro, like that, that's how you're supposed to operate. So it's like, like mistakes aren't really taken, you know, too lightly out there, um, you know, in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, I mean, still, that was kind of, you know, out of character to, to see from Lamar. I don't know if we ever seen him, you know, get, get on his lineman like that. But I mean, nah, honestly, that that's, you know, I think that's what it is. It's like, you know, the stakes are higher. Like I said, it's grown men. Like, you know, I think it's more so just like, you know, you should, you should be able to, you know, do your job. Like I said, that that margin for error in the NFL is, is, is real low. Like, you know, it, it, it ain't like a college game or, you know, or high school or whatever, where, you know, you, you kind of going through the motions. It's like, you done been through all that. This is the, you know, highest level of football. Like, go out there and perform. So I think that's that's what it is. I mean, and anytime you get 22 grown men on on the field, I mean, Timber's going to flare at some point. And then you even see, like, and I think sometimes from the quarterbacks, and, you know, everybody everybody plays a tough position in the NFL. Everybody has to execute. Everybody got to knock somebody else out. Everybody got to beat somebody else every play. But sometimes with these quarterbacks, it's like, okay, I've had to make sure the offensive line is where it's supposed to be, receivers are in motion, stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I literally, you know what you're supposed to do. I have to take care of all this stuff. Please yep. don't like it. I'm like, yo, what's going on? I done got everybody else right. That was just yeah. crazy. That I'm and, sure. oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Are you good? <laughs> oh, no, nah, I was just about to say, um, I don't think not saying like he was thinking of this in the moment just now, but you know, that whole contract situation with Lamar, you know, it, it maybe that sense of urgency just, you know, that changed a little bit. Maybe he just ain't going for as much, you know, as he used to in the past. So Ooh, you that's know, maybe he don't want about to, you know, making them look bad. So no, that's a, that's a very good that's a very good point. That's that was such a perfect because it's like like you said, I didn't see D Watt do it a couple times like whatever. But Lamar, that is like Lamar. We ain't never seen Lamar get on nobody like the only time the only time we never seen Lamar get out of character like that is that Louisville Clemson game when when Bowler was choking him out. Oh um, yeah, and he came up from out that huddle, you know, snapping on. I mean, out that power snapping on the rest. But I mean. Now, other than that, we ain't never seen Lamar uh, not get heated ever. That's why. I, that's why when I see all it happening, I was like, I kind of got distracted. I'm like, hold on, I, I need to make sure this is what I'm seeing right now. No, that's crazy. Yeah, so interesting to watch there. But yeah, so like I said, LSU. This is like control their own destiny. Most likely, will represent. I know them LSU fans would be super excited. I don't think. Okay, let's just say this. LSU plays Georgia. You give LSU a lot of chance here, or you think Georgia's going to win the SEC? Uh, I think – see, see, LSU – I ain't gonna lie, I'm disappointed in my boy – in my boy um, Kayshawn Booty from LSU. That's how you say his name, Boutte Booty, however you say it. I'm disappointed in him. He, You know, he's definitely having a down year after coming in. You know, he's 
supposed to be one of the top receivers in the nation. Um, and I mean, you know, just kind of like what I was saying about Georgia secondary, like them boys is really strapping this year. So if, you know, you definitely going to need your number one option, you know, on his game, um, really just your whole receiving core, not just your number one option. Um, your whole receiving core is going to have to be on that game going up against the secondary like that. Um, but the fact that he hadn't really been performing, that's that's what makes me like, I don't know if they, you know, really have a shot because Jay Daniels is already doing a lot on the ground with his leg. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, you know, you know, they're going to lock in on that number one, but, you know, they do that and, you know, search the receivers down. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, in the, in a championship game, like, you know, like the SEC, um, guys always going to come ready to play. So, like, LSU, you know, definitely be competitive in a game like that. But I don't, yeah, I, I don't think they can hang with a team with, um, you know, the, the, the same caliber as, uh, as Georgia. Yeah, I think that I, I think more fans would have preferred to see, and that, I think that's going to wrap this uh, Baltimore yeah. up with that interception. I think most fans would have rather seen Alabama get to see Bryce Young, and it's kind of crazy to think about like a Bryce Young team and uh, was it is it Will Anderson the uh, yeah pass rusher that that yeah. team is not going to be in competition for the college football playoff. It's, mm-hmm. And more fans would like to see that matchup. I think personally yeah. between them and Georgia see the rematch. But because yeah. I'm thinking like LSU, I think about ratings a lot. It's like, okay, they'll look at Brian Kelly. A lot of fans will look at Brian Kelly and be like, okay, maybe maybe we're going to go watch. Maybe we haven't been watching a lot of LSU this year. Let's go check them out this game. But I think that Alabama-Georgia game might get a little bit more viewers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, definitely because of the you know names they go to school and the past history they got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely was. You know, I was. You know, kind of looking forward to seeing Bryce Young again in that post game. I mean, not uh, post game. You know, in the you know postseason. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's surprising too though that we're not going to see him in the playoff. Um, especially after they were just in the national championship last year. I mean, you know, usually you think you just you know take you know take some experience from that and and you know learn from it and you come back even better next year but um yeah man it's yeah I um yeah just to yeah to hit a little bit more on that Bama game I think we really just saw this this, this is a, a down year in Bama terms I mean they only got two L they ain't just gonna act like it's you know a dumpster fire but I mean I think it's we we really seeing um what it does to a quarterback to not have uh I can't even say a main threat at receiver, but just across the board, it's, it's like, you know, them, them receivers at Bama just aren't performing up the, up the standard. And on the other side as well, you know, their defense in the secondary, they're struggling in, in that aspect too. And that's almost kind of the two position groups we've like almost known Bama to be producing really well at these past couple of years um, is at that receiver spot and that DV spot. So, um, yeah, I, I think that really hurt them losing, um, you know, J-Mo and, and Mechie last year. Um, and then, yeah, that, that secondary for Bama is just, is, is down this year. Um, so yeah, man, I, I, I think this, this is just a little down year for Bama. You know, they, they're going to look their wounds and, and be back next year. I think too, as that fan base, they'll appreciate having the dominant receivers a little bit more than, you know, yeah. past, like you said, you've had Jameson and John Mitchell last season. These like, these are great receivers. And you just go so used to that Alabama that it's like Amari yeah. Cooper or whoever else. You're just used to having the dominant guy. Yeah. Because we're Bama. So it's like, of course, we're going to have one. But now it's like, no, no, no. It ain't always guaranteed like this because NIL, you know, these receivers are getting opportunities in different places. And even if you get that guy Burton from Georgia, you think yeah. okay, he's probably going to be a guy. He was just a guy at Georgia. 
don't always yep. look like that. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And it's and, and like you said, this year will definitely make them appreciate it because the way them, you know, more specifically the receivers have been coming through at Bama, it ain't really been a year off like this since like 2013, maybe. Um, because I mean you had Amari Cooper. Um, then right after Amari Cooper, you had Calvin Ridley come in. Um, then really? right after you had Ridley come in, uh, who who was after Ridley? That that wasn't Jamo and them boys. Right after him, it was oh Rugs and, and um Wilder and all them boys. And then right after them, it was Jamo and Ma so it's like it's just been constant, just next man up. So yeah, that's that's definitely like you kind of just come to expect like that next guy who out there wide receiver for Bama is that guy. So it's like when it's not that case, it's kind of you know a little bit of a shell shot. If you think about it. That year, whenever Devontae Smith, the year before he won the Heisman, it was like, yeah, you got uh, – what's that guy's name that plays with the Broncos right now? Judy, uh, Judy. You got Judy, you got Ruggs. It was like, oh, yeah, and Devontae. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, the Heisman, what it was, the Heisman out. Yeah. Devontae, I guess he's coming back because he needs to prove himself anymore. And you see – and he – remember, as a freshman, he caught the touchdown in the National Championship mm -hmm. game. So, like, yep. yeah, that, that's the perfect – I'm glad you brought that up. That's a perfect example of how, like, receivers – but, of course, we have explosive receivers that go get the ball at 90 yards. Exactly. Yeah, it's just – you. yeah, fans just think it's a given. It's just – I mean, because that, that's how it is. Like, when the season starts off at Bama, like, at the beginning of the year, last year, I mean, yeah, you know, Jamison Williams because he was a transfer from Ohio State and Mitchie had a good year before. But it's like – I mean, you're just seeing a, another receiver lined up out there at Bama, so you expect him to go out there and make plays. So – yeah, when it don't happen, it's, it you know it really stands out. It's crazy. That's insane. That's a great point. And we're gonna keep moving here. Uh, they don't give us the time already, Thomas. Uh, we're gonna go here. <laughs> uh, Clemson, bro. Clemson losing to Notre Dame, and I, you know I, this just goes to tell you how like college football changes so much. Do you remember whenever DJ really first jumped on the scene that that game? Uh, what is it? Did Drawing a blank right now. Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. When Trevor Lawrence had COVID and DJ played that first game against Notre yeah. Dame, and they were like, this is the next guy at Clemson. Yeah. All people are kind of shaky to the point he even gets taken out this game. Notre Dame, this is the Notre Dame team that lost to Ohio State, will take it, but lost to Marshall. And people yeah. are like, oh, what's going on with Notre Dame? <laughs> Notre Dame beat Clemson every facet of this game with the final score being 35 to 14 in South Bend. Clemson clinched the ACC championship game. It doesn't matter. Most of the country already didn't believe they should be as highly ranked as they were. And they, they kind of finally laid the egg on a big scene. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, yeah, now nah, you yeah, right on the money, man. They, they, you know, came out laid the egg. This is definitely one. This ain't one of them seasons where, you know, Clemson could afford a loss. Nope. Really at any point, just because of how, how weak that, that schedule was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, yeah, that that loss really hurts them because they're probably not going to see anybody in that championship game with a caliber of like, okay, if you win this, you back in, you know, you back in the playoff mix or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, that yeah, that I ain't gonna lie, I, I don't like, you know, it's hurting me to see all this stuff going on with DJ. I don't want to say it's hurting me. I ain't, you know, I ain't got no sympathy for no Clemson player, but just you know, I don't know. You you never want to see a guy come in with with that much hype. And not live up to it, and I, I know how them Clemson fans get. You know, I I, I seen uh, you know, I saw how they were getting with, with Kelly Bryant when Trevor was coming in. You know, all that. So, um, you know, I I know that's a lot of pressure on him. Just yeah, I I, I don't know how I, I I couldn't be in a situation like that. It, it's almost like the fans are like not wanting something bad for you to happen, but like when fans want to see the backup play more than you, like I don't. Yeah, they've turned. So I feel bad for him, and and nah, go ahead. 
no, they have officially like turned on you. Like they were almost yeah. you, then you have a good performance. And now that you know that these fans have turned on me, you go through that tiger walk and it's like, but half of y'all, literally half of y'all in here don't want me playing. And because yeah. we've seen Cade and we've seen what we can do, and yeah. he's like, go Cade, if you look at Cade like a golden boy. Like yeah. he, he's definitely like the golden boy quarterback, mm-hmm. five star dabble saying he's like Deshaun Watson, but faster. And they're like, oh man, this is second coming. So you're struggling. They want to see that. Yeah. And so it was even weird how they brought him in. He threw interception. They take him back out again. I thought at that point, you might as well kind of roll with him at that point. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Dabble was saying that, that they brought him in at uh, it was an unfortunate time. But yeah, man. So Clemson, that's tough. Clemson's eliminated. Alabama's eliminated pretty much. Because even right now, you're thinking, okay, even if you get some losses in the rest of the college football, you think, okay, well, maybe the winner out of Ohio State and Michigan, the loser of that game, you might still put them in because that is the only loss yep. of the season. They play better competition. You think of yep. one loss Tennessee team that doesn't even play in the SEC championship game. Okay, maybe we'll put them in there. It's just yep. a lot of a Southern Cal. You got to think about Southern Cal. Who, yep, yeah, only one loss, yeah. They win the Pac-12 championship. It's like there's a lot of teams versus this weak uh, ACC schedule. You yeah. hear people saying, Chris, you know, you know, they go they get crazy on ESPN. Is the Clemson dynasty over? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, all, all they think is one all year. Yeah, so I don't know. I wonder what happens with Cade moving forward. They said also they mentioned that Dabble Swing did a lot of promoting within and instead of like you know going on higher when Brent Venables leaves or maybe mm-hmm. going out getting a new offensive coordinator when Tony Elliott leaves, you just promote from within. And so the questions yeah. also remain: Did they make the right decision? So, uh, yeah, that one might mean. Yeah, that one might not be doing too much of that no more. He might be going to go and trying to get them top dogs. He's, he's y'all are good, but I'm gonna go get the guy. I'm gonna go get the the, the guy, the wide receivers coach at Oregon. Like not just yep. saying the guy at Oregon, but a guy from there or maybe yeah. a proven offensive coordinator. To come yeah. to Clemson, but this is just all also so new to Dabble because remember he's used to having the same guys. Yeah. Long. Yeah, Dabble. Yeah, Dabble ain't even on the transfer portal according to him. So. Yeah, so it's like he's used to literally being the CEO, offense, defense. I understand what's going on, but I'm running this thing a certain type of way. But so some adjustments. What do you think moving forward? You think they stick DJ? Do you think they kind of go to Cade now? Oh, oh, no, no, no. DJ out there. DJ gonna be at another school next year. That ain't, yeah, nah, he ain't, I mean, he he probably ain't gonna make it out this season as a starting quarterback, let alone a whole spring camp, another fall camp, like, and just with all the people, I mean, yeah, nah, nah, definitely not with, like you said, with the golden boy coming behind him. And then, um, what, and then what you see, too, is it's like, because then you hear about this lot in NFL training camps, it's like, now we can give him all the first team reps. Yeah. So we've seen what he does in a battle, the fact that they go to him, and it was crazy, because I'm pretty sure this game was on NBC. You literally saw Dabble like, all right, get ready to go. And in case I'm doing this quarterback workouts real quick, start trying to do all this stuff yep. real quick. Yep. And it's like, what happens when a guy like that, who they say is pretty fast, a different type of quarterback than DJ, a little bit different. DJ is more of a yep. pounder guy. But yep. you give him a full off season, being the starter, and kind of becoming his team, you hope yep. to get back to the Sean Watson, Trevor Lawrence type of the yep. upper echelons quarterback that performs at the highest level. Yeah, and I and I see kind of what I see what Dabo's going for with like you said, kind of the promote within and, and and not you know hitting the transfer portal thing. He's I think he's kind of trying to keep that like uh like traditional kind of college football aspect about his team where it's like if I get you here as a freshman, you're gonna be here till you you know, till you're a senior. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, you kind of see the rest of college football. It's it's kind of it's becoming more of a business, you know, each and every day, you know, like 
you're seeing these coaches getting hired for one year just to make, you know, a, a push at a championship and then go on somewhere the next, same with players. Um, so, yeah, man, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how, how it goes from here. I mean, it'll really, you know, depend on if the players buy into that kind of, you know, program of, you know, just, just coming here and waiting my turn. Because I think that's the biggest thing more than anything. Guys want to get to the school and they want to play. Yeah. You know, they ain't really about, you know, sitting back, waiting their turn, you know, getting the, getting the mental reps, you know, as they call it. Um, but, yeah, man, yeah, I, like I said, I feel bad for DJ, but, um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this how this uh, KD experiment goes, especially if, you know, he, he does get the keys and next year and looking how, you know, Clemson fans anticipate it to look. So, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to see that. And the thing is, see, last year you could say right, Clemson didn't really have weapons. No, they got the weapons now. They got guys. They got the running back, yeah. uh, Shipley. It's a really yeah. great running back and kind of do it all pounded, little speed. There's a five-star guy coming out. You got receivers like Antonio Williams, Dutch Fork, really nice young yeah. freshman. So they got the weapons. They got this 6A quarterback uh, coming out of Texas. It's, and, you know, it's funny now. I watch the Elite 11s. It's like, and they got the next guy. Yeah. And they got the next guy. So they got him. I don't know. You know, you, you at least know the bare level at Clemson as far as quarterback play. They're going to be a highly touted guy. It's all about how well you perform under those lights. But uh, last but not least, got one more topic for today. Ohio State, y'all know my Buckeyes. They haven't come up with the name of the segment. Hey, it's still cruising. Had to go play Northwestern at Northwestern. Travion Henderson didn't play, which is usually our starter running back. You got um, – um, Jackson Smith and the Jig, but I don't even know what's going on. But luckily, Marvin Harrison and the rest of the guys have yeah. been stepping up. 50 mile per hour wins, which were definitely like, like it was definitely showing. It's, uh, CJ uh, struggled to throw the ball a lot, but you can imagine that in the wind. But as I was telling Thomas kind of before the show, I'm like, ah, like, and granted, NFL football is a little bit bigger, a little bit easier to throw, depending on how big your hands are. But I feel like some coaches, when they're looking for reasons to break you down, mm -hmm. when it comes to the NFL, they're going to say, hmm, he didn't perform well in inclement weather. Yep. And it's like, and so, yep. okay, do we, we might want to think about that whenever we go to play in, he's obviously not going to draft him in Chicago, but maybe a team that routinely plays Chicago twice a year. Will he be able yeah, to like, like they, those Yeah, like, they not you off, but, you know, for example, they're saying he might go to Detroit. You know, that's they're gonna have to be in Green Bay and Chicago, you know, twice a year. So, exactly. So, that's something to think about. We did pull off the win with the final score of 21 to 7. Like, just and just let y'all know, you know, DJ, I mean, CJ usually goes, I don't know, 20 for 24. He didn't, he went 10 for 26 for 76 yards, uh, passing. Uh, Mayan Williams had a nice game, 26 carries for 111 yards and, and two touchdowns. When I saw Travion didn't even make the trip, I was like, Yeah, I thought, yeah. I was like, maybe because they're predicting increment weather, but that definitely didn't sound good. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. had five catches for 51 yards. And yeah, defense played, obviously, Northwest scored seven points, but it just, we weren't able to really get a good push on that offensive line. And, uh, and everybody knows, and like, I feel like in the years past, like Ohio State fans, have been like, yeah, we might have like we're a pretty decent season, but we'll beat Michigan or the team up north as they call it. This year, it it's noticeably like almost like a thorn in our side. Like physical mm -hmm. ball club, they beat us last year. So it's a little yeah. bit it's not like, yeah, they never beat us. Nah, yeah. They got a ball club up there in Michigan and they're and they're physical and, and physical. Our, yeah, they're running that ball. 
yeah, we've been struggling a little bit with the physicality portion. So it's like yeah. if our offensive line can't get a push on them, we couldn't have a long day. So definitely a little bit of concern about going over there in Michigan. We got to get some things put together. Yeah, man. What what you uh what you think about about your I'm about to call him your boy. He's my boy too, but man, what's up with was with Smith and Jigby? You think he I mean, I, I know I, I asked you this earlier in the season, and the explanation you gave to me was, was really on point because I forgot about how much praise Olave and Wilson were giving them. And I'm like, knowing the you, you know, the NFL, that that's enough hype right there to, you know, to to still leave. Um, but yeah, you think he out of there, you think he done did enough in them the first two seasons to still be considered, you know, one of the top receivers in, in this class? You know, with this thing being so much of a how what have you done for me lately thing, it seems to me that at least for me, now the scouts might see it differently because he did he was consistent last season, you know, so he had the mm-hmm. most receiving yards or receptions, or whatever. And then he had performance he had against Utah was so great. But to me, it seems like the hype has moved to Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. He can't come out this year, but it's kind of like you're not really thinking like like even me now when you say, and I know Jackson Smith is a great receiver. The guys who used to watch him every day at practice validate for him. But I think a lot of people are like, yeah, he was great. We've seen a lot of great receivers for a year. Like, can you do it consistent? And I know you were highly ranked guy coming out of high school so for you to even be able to like to meet those at one point it's like okay that's a salute to you but I don't know like I really would have to see what the scouts saw in him and is that like something that oh he just had a great year or are these kind of like are the intangibles that he performed the way he runs his routes and stuff so precise it's like if you got that you just got it you know what I'm saying you know what I think is gonna help him Matt is is uh is Jamar Chase Cause you know Chase had that big year where they That's won the right. championship, and then he took that year off um, for COVID and all that. And I know in Jig was different because he's dealing with an injury or whatever. But I feel like it's kind of that same situation where it's kind of like, like we seen all he has to prove. Like it, it would be hard to top the season he had last year, especially the way he finished off in the Rose Bowl and all that. Like I've seen that a lot of times with receivers. Like that sophomore season to be so crazy that it's like even if you have a good junior year, if it doesn't top your sophomore year, it's like oh he, you know kind of struggled a bit this year he had a down year um but I think that whole Marvin Harrison Jr. hype train is going to be the the reason that he leaves um Ooh. it's because yeah if he if he tried to come back next year and compete with him for targets it's like you know I mean I I don't know who's going to be getting the ball in that situation but I mean just kind of like you said like the fact that Harrison Jr. has all that hype he'll kind of be on the back burner like oh yeah it's you know Marvin Harrison running the show, oh, yeah, and y'all got, you know, that guy coming off injury, you know, who had a good sophomore season two years ago. But, I mean, yeah, this, the the way Marvin Harrison Jr. playing right now, man, he yeah, he got all the hype behind him. He, he'd be the first receiver taken if he could lead this year. So that's he, how you know that hype real. You even have Joel Klatt saying he's going to be the best receiver in football in like two to three years. And one thing, too, you kind of notice, Whenever Jackson Smith and the Jigba plays, it seems like it throws CJ off because it almost feels like he has to force feed him a little bit. Like this yeah. guy is too good to not get a certain amount of targets. It seems like he's gotten kind of used. Like in that team he had with Chris Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson, he got used to fitting Jackson Smith in, and so it was cool. Yeah. But like this is a whole new receiving group. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you can say they played together in that Rose Bowl and Jackson Smith went crazy in that game. But it's like now it seems like he's gotten used to, okay, Travion might be coming out the backfield. Okay, I got Julian Fleming. I got Marvin Harrison Jr. hit my tight end case over. And so yep. it's like, Jackson fit here. 
yeah. like yeah. the last group. Because every time I watch him, I'm like, man, it seems like TJ throws so much better when he's not out there. Because even in another damn game, I was like, that that was that didn't yeah. kind of seem come off as this smooth, but. Yeah, that Marvin Harrison Jr. It's crazy because like guys like me and you, I'm sure a lot of other people are listening. We grew up watching Marvin Harrison. Yeah. And it's like little did we know he had a son somewhere in the stands. And I knew off rip he was elite because I didn't I didn't follow him that much uh in high school. But what's his name? Uh you saw him like one of the recruiting visits for Ohio State. And then you saw Ryan Day say, yo, Marvin Harrison has came in here different. And Ohio State gets a lot of different receivers, like Hollywood touted guys. Yeah. The fact that he, he, Marvin Harrison was able to kind of like dress, I think he was dressing out like day one as a freshman, mm-hmm. while the other, other guys redshirted. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 this, this one is different. He said he came back in much bigger and like ready to roll, obviously. Yeah. They talk yeah. a lot of times about like his route running and stuff. He's like, well, his dad has probably been working with him and his dad was yeah. the best to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, and, and unlike his dad, he's six four, six three, six four, big body, but still, you know, he's still just as fluid. You know, can can get in and out of breaks and stuff. Um, but now, nah, Matt, to, to go back to your point about um, about uh, Stroud, you know, and or really about Stroud and, and uh, Smith and Jaber. Um, two points. So so one, um, you know, you got to think when when Smith and Jaber came in, like you said, he was with Alavi and Wilson, so it might have been. Um, awesome. Not necessarily he fit in Smith and Jigba like he fit him into the offense better or into the flow of the game better. But I mean, on the sky report, they're probably like, we got to lock in on two and five. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that more so at the beginning of the season, it's kind of like we're gonna lock in on two and five. We're gonna let you know eleven beat us if we can. And you know, obviously, as he got the you know performing teams are like, I mean, you know, you can't double team three receivers. So I mean, at that point, you know, somebody got to eat. Um, but not just that. Um, man, kind of, kind of like one of my, you know, go-to sayings is like, man, we don't know what goes on, you know, on that sideline, that practice field, you know, game field, whatever. Um, I mean, you you don't been on sideline before. You know how receivers get with quarterbacks, man. You come back to the sideline, everybody was open. So it's like, <laughs> not saying that's what kind of guy Smith and Jig did, but I mean, we don't know. He might be on that sideline and CJ ear, like, man, I'm open. I'm I'm cooking him. I'm this, this, and that. So when CJ had, he might be like, I mean, I know the talent he's got. And he telling me, I, you know, he's open. So, I mean, let me give him a look. Could be a situation like that for all we know, man. But, yeah, it it, it, it that is an interesting point you make that, it, you know, the offense kind of and, and how CJ, you know, seems to operate seems a bit smoother when he's not in the game as opposed to when he is. So, um, and I could come from just CJ. Maybe he just trusts him more than the other receivers. You know, he feels like if I throw him the ball, he's definitely going to catch it. Um, so yeah, man, it, yeah, it, it, it could be a bunch of things, honestly, but, um, I, I hope whatever decision he makes is, it, you know, it ends up good for him, but yeah, this is a sticky situation to be in, man. Cause I mean, we, we don't heard the stories too of like, you know, guys getting in the draft and like, yeah, the scouts told me I was, you know, round one, two or three and, you know, I ain't go to round six or I ain't get drafted at all. So, I mean, I know he'll get drafted if he enters his name, but you know, that's a lot of money to lose out on. You know, you know that money difference between them, you know, second round picks and the top ten picks. So yeah, that's that's definitely something I, I got my eye on. And then something else I've kind of noticed too, just when you're watching the receiving core, it seems like okay, so obviously, like I said, a CJ has a good relationship, probably you you think with all the receivers, right? It seems like him and Marvin Harrison Jr., they do a lot more unspoken communication than like a Mecca. 
right? It seems yeah. like Atlanta is a dynamic athlete, but you see, like, a lot of times there'll be an interception and CJ be like, come on. And it's like, we, I've been working more with maybe because Marvin's a bigger target, but it seems mm-hmm. like hey, me and Marvin have a tighter not bond, but we just know what we're doing a little bit more. Yeah. Meth is a great athlete, great returner, great receiver, all yeah. that. He's, a, well, like I told y'all before, one of the top guys coming out of Washington. And it's just like, he's that receiver. It's like, he's a great athlete, but me and him, they exactly always on the same page. And it seems like Julian, yeah. Fleming, which I keep saying it's crazy because he's like the number two receiver in his class. And Julian yeah. Fleming, he touchdowns. I just... Yeah. He's even in most other places, he would be a clear number one. But at Ohio State, he catch a touchdown. But I think what's been a really major thing at Ohio State would be these tight ends we've had. Like even yeah. Dover, who is just absolute huge, lost one last year to the NFL. And so it's really like, man, you got to defend. And then with having two different styles of backs, Travion's yeah. kind of concerning me because Travion gets injured a little bit here and there. Yeah. But luckily, we have two dominant Mayan, Travion, good either way. And we'll rock out. But yeah, I ain't gonna lie to you. At Michigan, I ain't really watched that much in Michigan, just but just from what I have been like hearing about. Yeah, they like, running that ball, man. Man, the boys is running that ball. I can't remember what game I watched. Um might have been the might have been the Maryland game. It was early this year. It was I can't remember, Matt, but man, Matt, them them boys run the ball, man. With with two, I think his name Blake Corm, and then that backup, man, them boys run that ball. Like I yeah, whatever game it is, I'm thinking about. It. I think, I think I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure both of them had you know hundred something rushing yards each, but it wasn't just a yards. It was like carries. Like I think both guys like fifteen plus carries. So it's like you know thirty, forty something carries between the two running backs. That's a lot. Um, you know, in this, in this day and age, we used to seeing the quarterback come out, you know, throw it 40, 50 times a game. Um, so yeah, that's definitely. I know that shocks a lot of teams when you know when they come out putting it on the ground like that. You know, it's almost like facing, you know, an option team. Um, and, you know, that can really just wear on your defense, you know, after after a whole game. So, and it opens it up for the passing game anyway. So, you know, kind of best of both worlds when you think about it. And so the stakes in that game are going to be so high because, like I said, the winner of that game goes to the Big Ten championship game. One thing that I saw this weekend, I think Ohio State fans, like I said, not the best offensive play ever. One thing we love to see because when we first saw C.J. Stroud, we saw a great a quarterback, obviously, but we saw him run the ball against Michigan State for like a 60-yard run. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen him since then. So if you were on Twitter watching Ohio State, and we're like, CJ's running. CJ got a yep. and he took it, and he and it's like, and you even see him run. He's not like a slow guy. He can yeah. move. And so it's like, please leave. Then I granted, I get it. He likes to like he's a pass first quarterback, so he really doesn't want to get into the whole run game. But I think it opens up. That's just me saying this. Not in their locker room. Not yeah. in the offensive play call. Like not with the offensive coordinator. But it just seems as if it opens that offense up so much more. And so like like I said, when you have these dominant running backs, these dominant receivers. Their Ohio State offensive line, it can only be but so bad. And you got a quarterback that can not only throw the ball, but it can also take off run. It seems like it opens up more for the offense. And it could be that next dimension that can make us probably a very good offense, but potentially make us elite. So I think I speak well for all Ohio State fans. And we're like, okay, I thought he was pulling that offensive line, but he was yelling that. <laughs> but, uh, we were talking about Lamar Jackson in the post-game interview. But I, I think that's a great dimension to his game. I'm hoping that Brian Hartline – and um, but I know he helps with 
play calling Ryan Dare, like CJ, let's stay to this. You don't even got to get hit slide, but let's just at least make the defense honor you running the ball. Yeah. It helps to the, uh, our offense. So, yeah, yeah. You know, nah, I got to give credit for that, man. You been said that. I think it was on a, on a show we did probably like, I don't even know if it was on the show or just, you know, us talking, but I know it was a while ago. It was, it was CJ first year. Um, was it his first first year? Was uh, in, last year was his first year? Was it? Yeah, he had come in for mop up duty for Justin Fields because he yeah, was. Yeah, and I, but I remember you saying you were like, you know, you we were talking about him and Bryce Young, and you were like, Bryce Young is like a more willing runner than Stroud. Yeah. Like you pointed that out from day one. Now, yeah, you now you been on that. And it's like when you see that, and when you see him go run the ball, it's like, I ain't saying he's Bryce Young, but it's like, oh. Okay, so he's yeah, he, yeah, he can if he wants to. Yeah, three two twenty, he has the measurables and he can run. It's like okay, now Bryce doesn't have this clear thing out in front of him where it's like yeah, but at least Bryce can avoid because both guys can avoid guys in the pocket, but Bryce is willing to go get you that first. He gonna, yeah, run. yeah, he gonna yeah, he gonna run the ball down the field after he does. So yeah. that adds that dimension to it. Hey, Buckeyes gonna keep rolling. Let's see who we got this week. I didn't even take a look at that. And I gotta ask Thomas real quickly about how his Vikings are looking this year. Be like Thomas yeah. corner. Oh, we got Indiana okay. this week. Should take care of business against Indiana. Then we yeah. got Maryland. Yeah, we should. So we should win out uh, rest. And then we just got the big date in the. Uh, I think this game should be at Ohio State. So OH. Yep. Thomas, let's hear real quick. We're gonna mention NFL real quickly. Uh, just kind of quick checking how how your Vikings been looking this year. We've been looking all right, but. Man, don't believe the hype, man. We ain't really played nobody nice this year. I think about every team on our schedule. I mean, we we seven and one right now. Okay, I think all seven of our wins are against teams with a losing record. Our one our one loss is to the Eagles. You know, just so having to be the best team in the league. So like, I really ain't been able to get a good, you know, read on where we at as a team. Because like I said, you know, the I mean, it's NFL. You know, you got to bring your lunch pair every Sunday. You know, it's you playing against grown men, so like you can get beat any Sunday. But, I mean, if we just, you know, being real, you know, these teams aren't, like, in the upper echelon of the league. Um, I think we got the Bills this Sunday. Yes. That's going to be a test, but they they talking about Josh Allen might not play. So, I mean, if we beat them, it's, you know, it'll be because Josh Allen ain't play. So, I'm hoping he does play because I, I do want to see us get tested. Um, but, yeah, man, and, man, if I – yeah, I, I've been watching these Vikings for a minute, man. Do not believe the hype. That, that, that's <laughs> what I got to say about it, man. This, this can go left quick. I remember in uh I remember in 2016 I think it was I think it was I was at USC Upstate freshman at Upstate and I think that's when we start off the season like eight and zero ended up not even making the playoffs so like yeah this, this ain't I, I ain't about to get hyped till we in that Super Bowl match I ain't gonna lie but they is looking good you know my boy uh you know Jefferson Justin Jefferson he is uh you know he said coming into the season he was gonna be the best receiver in the league after this year um and he definitely making a case for it um. But yeah, I, yeah, he 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 looking good. The dancing, the antics that he does, he is the perfect Madden receiver. Like if you're yeah. talking about like making a receiver marketing a marketable for uh like kids, yep, he's the perfect, he's the perfect guy because he does the dancing. Play, yeah, and even play style and all that. Like he's he's like a he ain't some he ain't like a I mean. I can say, like, he ain't like a Jamar Chase. He's not, like, a freak of nature. Like, a kid can look at him and be like, I can be that. Whereas, like, Jamar Chase, you know, he got the big legs and he's big, strong dude. Where it's like Justin Jefferson, a little skinny, you know, little skinny <laughs> receiver, you know, like, make people miss be dancing. So, yeah, he's definitely, like, a more, you know, relatable, like, model for, you know, young receivers to look at. 
I'm gonna hit you with this real quick, and then we're probably going to get out of here. Yeah. What's the difference? Like, you see a lot about Diggs. First of all, Diggs seems to be super fiery. You know, Stefan Diggs for the Bills, a fiery guy running out the tunnel, yelling with Jair Alexander. What's the biggest difference between Diggs' game and Justin Jefferson' game? Justin Jefferson. Oh, oh man, that's a tough question. Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, it's small differences. Um, because they both kind of got the same like general like play style like they both shifty guys you know they both run good routes um both can create separation they both good after the catch um but i just think jefferson is like a i think he's more fluid than Diggs. Okay. um i definitely I, I think that's the biggest thing that i could probably say between the two of them is jefferson is just like a little more fluid and i think he's a little faster too um Oh, I, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, it's not like it's a big, you know, size difference between the two or anything. Man, that's – boy, man, that's that's a tough question. Like, I feel I, that's that's honestly the biggest difference I can come up with them is just, like, their fluidity. Like, Diggs is a little more, like, herky-jerky. You know, you see all the releases at the line and stuff. Yeah. And Jefferson's the same way. He has good releases, but it's just, you know, one's a little more smoother than the other. And like I said, I think Jefferson's faster than Diggs. Like, we see him take – people over the top a lot more than we see um, Diggs do. Um, and this year, Jefferson is really surprised me with the amount of contested catches he's making, too. Not saying Diggs can't do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think Jefferson is a little bit more, like, well-rounded than a guy <laughs> like Diggs. Like, both of them you can line up on a slider outside. Um but I don't think Diggs, you can, like, like you know, Jefferson, we, we put him on jet sweeps and, and, and stuff like that. I'm um, not saying you can't do it with Diggs, but I just feel like Jefferson, you can utilize him a little bit more in offense than you can a guy like, you know, like a Stephon Diggs. And then so with that being said, you know, you had the two of them coming out of LSU. But if you're going to start your team and you got a choice, you taking oh, Jordan Lord. or you taking Justin? God, dog, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh gosh. Cause they were the guys. Like I feel like you can't lose with either one. I mean, I oh god. That's tough, man. I mean, it... I probably had to I probably had to say Jefferson just because as of today, like we've seen the Vikings use him everywhere on the field. So we know for a fact he can operate on the outside end of the slot. Um me personally, I feel like Jamar Chase could easily Surviving the slot in the NFL as a slot receiver. I mean, I feel like that's, um, I don't know, that slot, man. It's just, it's like the autobahn for a receiver. Like, it's, you got, you know, so much more space to work with. I mean, you got all different kind of mismatches. You're going to be matched up on linebackers sometimes, the safeties. Um, but I would have to go with Jefferson just because of that. I feel like he's a little more versatile than a guy like Chase. Chase is like, he, he your prototypical deep threat. Like, you love to have him as your, you know, prototypical X receiver. Just line him up on his side of the field, no motion, no none of that, just straight one on one. So yeah, he yeah, yeah. It, that's that's tough. I, yeah, that's tough. I had to yeah for you for the sake of your question, I'm had to say Jefferson. Um, but the way I describe it is Jefferson would be my ex, and and I mean Jefferson would be my Z, and Jamar Chase would be my ex. It's crazy so. to even like kind of sit here and think because even like you watch these Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, both of them having success. 
And it's like, so really, as I guess as the offensive coordinator, it's just like which scheme you're in, kind of the same thing with those, yeah. guys, who you would pick yeah. first. Because you see, oh, and that, I will say, is probably going to help Jackson Smith, uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba as well. It's like you've seen these Ohio State receivers, literally the past, you obviously have your Michael Thomas, and you have the guys uh, that, you know, Terry McLaurin, yeah, yeah. Terry, uh, Paris Campbell, you have all those guys. Mm-hmm. They're literally showing you what Brian Hartline teaches these guys, kind of steals with them. And yep. their own talent, it translates very quickly to the NFL. So naturally, that probably will help um, Jackson Smith and the Jake. But even if he decides to not play for the rest of the season and just kind of, you know, get ready. I remember, do you remember what I think it was Denzel Ward, who Ohio State was playing Notre Dame in like the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah. And Denzel Ward uh, decided to sit out the game. He went to the game. He just tried to sit out. And at that time, I think that was right before players were really doing that. And so we yeah. were got selfish and care about Ohio State. Don't care about the OOH. And it's like now, Jaylen Smith. now you not see, the same game. Jalen Smith uh, tore his knee up. And I yeah, and, and then you saw that you're like, oh man. And, and then you literally after you see Jalen said, it's like, ooh, maybe that was the right decision. Because yeah. you see, oh, right I, now, I don't know. I, don't, I might be wrong on that, man. I don't think that's the same year. Because I know I know Zeke and then was playing for Ohio State. There's a world was definitely there. Yeah, game. yeah, it's not same. Yeah, same kind of thing though. I see what you're saying. Same situation. It's like you. That was. I remember it was like because even I was kind of like, oh man, come on, play in the bowl game. And yeah, now, man. Now you see. I don't know the timeline. Those like Jalen Smith played well in Dallas for a little while, but they say he was a little bit different than what he was beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't gonna never be there. Well, I can't say never because some situations they say you know guys come back stronger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, majority of the time, you know, a, a, a serious injury like that, yeah, you you ain't never gonna be the same after that. I'm gonna say, meanwhile, Denzel Ward was able to uh, just sign his contract to be one of the top paid cornerbacks in the league. So maybe, yeah, maybe he knew something everybody else didn't know at the time. For sure, nah, that's the, that's man, man, that's the trend we're gonna see. Um, I, I I saw I saw something a few weeks ago where a guy, um, I think it was a linebacker or something for some, for one of these. Uh, Power Five schools said he was sitting out the rest of the season to to train for the NFL. Like it wasn't like he got hurt and it was like I'm a. He was just like middle of the season. You know, I think we're gonna start seeing that a lot more with top prospects who are on bad teams. Yeah, it's like once I get past the point of it's like if we not even gonna make a a bowl game. You know, why am I gonna sit here and you know risk the rest of my career just for you know? So yeah, I, yeah, I think we're gonna. I hate to say it. Cause I don't think it's good, but I mean, I think we're going to, you know, start to see that trend uh, uh, a lot more. And these, and these guys already have agents. Like, you know, it was different for NIL. Now these yeah. guys already have, cause I, David Mogalita, whoever the guy is that mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey, Deshaun Watson, all those guys, yeah. he already, CJ South's already signed him. So now you have somebody, an agent or whatever, looking out for your best interest, even yeah. you're, in college. And they say that might be the thing that gets Nick Saban kind of out of uh coaching. It's like yeah. okay. Yeah, you ain't gonna have no control anymore. Yeah, it's like, wait, 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 everybody is looking out in their own best interest. Yeah. So nobody, like, even if you are a great team player and stuff, at a certain point the agent's telling you this, you're gonna rock you gotta with do your it agent. for yourself. Yeah. And you're yeah. paying the agent too. So it's like, wait, we're gonna disregard him. Exactly. Something Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, boy. It's crazy to see what this thing will eventually turn into. Y'all, that's all we got for y'all today. Uh, we should be back next week. I don't think we should have any more distractions for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Tom, you got anything else? You good? 
Nah, man, I, I, I think I'm all good, man. I'm glad, I'm glad to be back, though. Glad we're back talking about Yes, sir. Back to it. All right, y'all. Without, uh, well, not without further ado, let's get into it. Thanks for listening to another episode. Peace. Back outside, boys. Told the 70 on the strip. I'm ready to die. Cutting the traction. Bet in the corner. Bet I make shit glide. Try to bring the drive. Tell me he ain't know how we cha-cha slide. I'll never lose sleep over no bitch. Way too much pride. Fill it up in a briefcase. Split the shit with the vibes. Break it and bring truck. My right wrist. Van Cleef. I spend days in the east. Trying to figure if I'm